All right, we're back. Welcome, everyone. This is Declaring Liberty. Today is Friday, March 20th. I apologize uh, for taking so long to record another podcast, but in case you hadn't noticed, the entire world has gone to hell, or seemingly, and uh, everyone's schedule and life has been upended to one degree or another, and uh, mine is no exception. So things have been a little bit crazy around here. Um, I apologize. I don't know how the audio is going to be. Um, it was never st- studio quality to begin with. Uh, I-, I do my best. But um, this is not a high-dollar production, as you know. This is a run on a shoestring. But now it's basically run on a shoestring from a basement closet. <laughs> not, not, uh, not exactly, but I'm not too far removed from that. The household here has... Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's different than it was a few days ago. You know, the whole family's home. The kids are home. You know, we're going to be doing schooling from home. So we've had to rearrange the house a bit. And that means giving up part of my space. So I will be recording down here in the basement. You might hear some furnace rumbles in the background. And who the hell else... Uh, who, the, who knows what the hell else you might hear down here. Maybe... Uh, You know, maybe some mice scurrying by. Who knows? But I'm here, and uh, we're going to plow ahead. I don't know what my schedule, my recording schedule is going to be going forward, uh, but we'll see. We'll just have to uh, take it day by day and see where it goes. Ah, the furnace shut off. Ah, Excellent. Excellent. Now you can hear me even better. All right. So uh, where to go with this? I don't know. Uh... I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. Uh, I don't know, my thinking... As you know, I have been just so disgusted with the typical politics for so long anyway. But I'm even more so now. I'm just disgusted with all of it. And less and less do I care about partisan politics. Every day I care less. Every day, I'm just more disgusted with it. Um, and everything is politics still. doesn't matter what the hell happens in this country. Everything boils down to pure, stupid politics. And I, I, I just don't feel like playing that game anymore. You know, when I began this show, and I named it Declaring Liberty, I wanted to talk about things more from a philosophical standpoint. Uh, I didn't want to just deal with the day-to-day, in-and-out, political topics, whatever the hell was going on that day in the world of politics, whether it was the outrage over the latest Trump tweet or whether it was the latest uh, machinations of the Mueller investigation or the impeachment or whatever. I didn't really want to dwell on the day-to-day politics uh, for two reasons. One, everybody else does that. And so I, I would just be, you know, one voice of God only knows how many out there talking about the same thing. And two, I largely don't care about that crap anymore. The older I get, the less I care. Because it seems just so pointless. 
And and the reason it's so pointless is because nothing ever really changes. And the reason the reason nothing ever really changes is because it all boils down to partisan politics. Everything is seen through a partisan lens. People take their positions based upon what team they root for. You know, who their guy is. You know, and right now everything is seen through the prism of Trump. Either you hate Trump or you love Trump. And there is no in-between. And anyone who tries to uh, discuss politics in anything other than the perspective of, of one of those two camps, and nobody wants to hear from you. Or people just make all kinds of accusations about you. So if you are a conservative and you don't do the, the, the mindless Trump cheerleading, well, then you're a never-Trumper. Because if, you're, if, if you deviate at all from whatever the talking point of the day is, the pro-Trump talking point of the day, you deviate from that at all, eh, then you're not on our team. You're a never-Trumper. It's just so ridiculous. And of course, the same applies uh, on the other side as well. And it's all just so stupid. And the real danger, the real problem with partisan politics and and party cheerleading and and cheerleading individual politicians is that that sort of partisanship takes the place of thinking nobody thinks anymore there's no need to think you don't have to do any actual independent thinking to come up with your position all you got to do is turn on fox news or listen to Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity or whoever, and and they'll tell you what you're supposed to think. Or go on to Twitter, and and see what the uh, quote unquote conservatives on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media platform see what they're saying. They're all saying the same thing. Doesn't matter where you go, whether it's Fox News or talk radio or uh, or, or social media, they're all saying the exact same thing. So that's all. You just got to go to one of those places and you'll find out what you're supposed to think. And then you just think it. And then you just repeat it. Whatever you heard. And because when I'm on social media and I attempt to make some points, whatever kind, I always hear the same things in reply. And they're, they're like the same things verbatim. And they're the same exact things you hear verbatim on, on all those platforms, Fox News or whatever. They're all saying the same thing everywhere and in the same words that they, they use the same phrases. Everyone's just walking around. There's just a little, just a little automaton. Nobody has an independent thought about anything. And that's the problem with partisan politics. Because nothing we discuss in this country is the result of independent thought. It's just the result of groupthink. Now... So that, you know, that, that's why I'm so disgusted with all of it. Now, lay my disgust with partisan politics on top of this coronavirus crisis. And boy, I just don't know how to proceed with this. <laughs> um, so I, I think I'm probably, I mean, I'm going to discuss some of these things. But I tell you, I'm not going to get in the weeds and discuss every little aspect of what's going on out there. I'm going to kind of try and take the, you know, the 10,000 foot view, pull back and just take a look at the bigger picture because I'm just so sick of playing in the weeds. 
Now, some of my thoughts about this um, present crisis. Um, and look, I'm not going to debate the virus with anybody. All right. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on any of this stuff. And I'm not going to second guess every little thing that 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 politicians do. We're really in uncharted territory. And uh, I don't know if we even need to be in uncharted territory, but we are in uncharted territory. And the reason I say I don't know if we need to be is because I don't really know what to make of this virus. I mean, th this crisis that we're in is simultaneously a natural crisis, you know, and, and, uh, and a man-made one. You know, the virus is a natural occurrence, assuming this wasn't a bioweapon of some type. Uh, but the experts assure us that it was not. Now, uh, with no evidence to the contrary, I'll just accept that as being true. Uh, but I will tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. Um, I've always thought, and I'm not saying that this is what happened here, but I've always thought that, um, you know, if a, if a communist dictatorship or some sort of authoritarian regime that doesn't care even about the lives of its own people, if they wanted to strike America with some sort of biological weapon, what better way to do it than to infect your own people and then make sure that uh, your own infected people made their way uh, to your enemy and then infected them. That way you have deniability. Hey, it wasn't us. Look, everyone here is sick. Heck, we got sick before you guys did. So I always thought that that would be a good way to strike your enemy. If you are some communist dictatorship like China who doesn't care about lives of the, their own people and they had billions you know they had hundreds of millions of people to spare then hey maybe it's a good idea you infect your own people and then let your people infect the world and take out your enemy or cripple your enemy now i'm not saying that that happened here at all i'm not saying that i'm just uh, i'm just saying that the mind wanders and this is actually something i had thought a long time ago that this would be this might be a good way to do it and so, uh, yeah, I've had that thought with respect to this coronavirus. Again, not saying that that, that happened here. I, I, you know, I don't believe that it did. But again, I would not be surprised if we came to learn that it, 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 it was a result of that or that this was, um, you know, engineered by man, this virus. It was a, yeah, but I don't know. I really don't know. And I'm not, I'm not going down that rabbit trail. Let's just say that this is a natural occurrence. But while this is also a natural disaster, this is also a man-made disaster because the consequences of this virus that we're all experiencing right now, this lockdown, you know, schools are closed, universities are closed, restaurants are closed, businesses all over the place are closed, you can't buy toilet paper, you can't buy food, all of this, that that's a man-made disaster. That is... That's a result of how we chose to react to this virus. Now, I don't know what to make of all this. Um, you know, is, is, is all this the right thing to do? Well, it, it seems to me like uh, 
extreme overkill. That's what it seems like to me. Uh, now, if this was a virus where those who contract it have like a 90% chance of death, well, then things would be different, you know? If you caught this virus and 12 hours later you were bleeding out your eyeballs and, uh, you know, uh, your organs were dissolving in your gut and, and, and within 12 hours of that, you're, most people are dead. If that were the situation, well, then hell yeah, lock down the country. But uh, from what I can tell, and, and, you know, it's hard to even to know what's true or not because you hear so many contradicting things from the news media and even from government officials. Uh, on the, you know, you hear that, well, this is, it's worse than the flu, but it's not that much worse than the flu in terms of mortality rate. So if that's the case, I don't understand why destroying our economy, shutting down the entire economy is the right thing to do. You know, that's just, uh, you know, that's, that's just my current thoughts on the situation. It also leads you to think, well, maybe there's more to it that they're not telling us. If they're all freaking out, you know, and California now has a you know, statewide lockdown, you know, they're all the shelter at home. Nobody can go out. New York is considering the same thing. Uh, there's talk of all kinds of things. You hear it. I don't need to go through it. You're watching the news. But you see all this, this freaking out by the people that should have the most information about this virus. Uh, well, maybe they know something we don't. And that, if so, that's an outrage in and of itself. Because when it comes to a public health crisis, there, there should be nothing that our government officials know that they're not telling us. But, I don't, but you and I both know um, that they wouldn't think twice about keeping information from us, no matter what it's about. So I don't know. These are just thoughts I have. And, and look, time's going to tell. Hindsight, as it always is, will be 2020. Whether or not this, is, this was ridiculous overkill or this was, uh, this was prudent policy. But right now, it sure as hell feels like ridiculous overkill. Because look at what we're doing. We're shutting down the economy. You know, you have President Trump out there saying that, uh, you know, as soon as the health crisis is over, that the economy will, quote, just bounce back. And that this virus will just magically wash away and the economy will bounce back, you know, greater than anyone has ever seen before. That's what he's been saying. And I find that laughable. Um, especially if this goes on for more than a, a, you know, week or two. The effects of, of, of shutting down all these businesses, I don't think anyone really understands how bad this is going to be. The damage to the economy. And of course, it, w it will be worse the longer it goes on. Now, people have been talking about two weeks. You know, Trump's 15 days you know, uh, social isolation and, and self-quarantining kind of thing for 15 days. And then, uh, you know, it'll magically wash away. Well, nobody really believes that to be true. I don't, and uh, truthfully, I don't know if he's saying that anymore. You know, what we hear out of all of these people changes one day to the next. And I'm, 
So you got to take whatever they say on any given day with a grain of salt. But two weeks, three weeks, whatever. I, do you really think this is all going to be passed in two weeks? I sure as hell don't. I mean, if we've locked down pretty much the entire country, shut down the economy, when the numbers of infected and dead are as low as they are right now, and look, 10,000 infected, I don't know, maybe it's 11 or 12 today, I don't know. I think it was around 10 last night. 10,000 infected in a country of 330 million people? That's not a lot of people. Now, fast forward two weeks from now, what are the numbers going to be like then? Probably a lot worse, I would imagine. Now, if we've shut down the whole country, and and, and we've done that even before we got to 10,000 infected. If we did that for 10,000, and then fast forward two weeks from now, and what if we're up to 200,000, 300,000, half a million are we going to open everything back up at that point? Oh, hell no. Uh-uh. We're going to stay on lockdown. Business was, businesses will continue to be closed. Schools will continue to be closed. And now that we've got the uh, federal gravy train running, you know, now that we're handing out checks to people, or soon will be, now that we've set that precedent, there's not as much reason to restart everything right away. You know, as long as people are, are getting checks, I'm telling you, a lot of people, make no mistake, there are a lot of people out there who are loving this. Even a lot of people who have jobs who are now, you know, not working. Many of them are loving it. As long as they're assured, you know, their job, they're, they're still going to be employed. Hell, this is like a vacation. And now the government's giving me Given me, uh, you know, $1,000 each person. Now it's $1,200 and $500 a, a, a kid. A lot of people are loving this. But it's not going to end in two weeks. Not if the numbers are worse than they are now, and they almost certainly will be. And not now that we've uh, just, you're handing out checks to everybody. And, and they're talking about two months now. They're talking about, the last I heard was $1,200 per person, $500 for each child. And that these checks would go out in April and then again in May. That's the last I heard. Maybe it's different by now. I don't know. Well, if this thing keeps going, we're going to have to keep, the government's going to have to keep churning out those checks. What if this goes on for two months, three months? Are we just going to stop giving these payments in May? What about June? People still need to eat if they can find food at the stores. People still need to pay their rent. You know, nobody's working or very few people are working. So the money's got to come from somewhere. Now, let me address this money thing a little bit. I don't consider some of this um, a bailout. Now, when it comes to industries, that's a different conversation. But when it comes to giving money to people, I don't consider it a bailout. Now, to some people, it's just it's just gravy, man. Because, you know, for people who are not out of work or continue to get their paychecks, they're just getting free money. They get to stay home. They get continue to get paid. And they're getting money from the government. Man, this is just Christmas now, this is Christmas in April, Christmas in May. 
Maybe it'll be Christmas in June or July, too. But for them, this is Christmas, man. This is free money. Now, for other people who have lost their jobs through no fault of their own, um, this is not free money. This is not Christmas. And this is not a bailout either. To those people, it's compensation. Say you're a, wait, a, a waitress, right? Anyone working at a restaurant or any business, really, that is shut, closed down as a result of the government ordering the business to close down. If you're someone who worked in one of those businesses, you're out of a job. You're not getting paid. And that wasn't your fault. And that wasn't your boss's fault. That's the government's fault. It's not axiomatic that you have to be out of a job because there's a virus going around. There's viruses going around all the time. We don't shut down the whole economy. But here we did. And this isn't a result of, this isn't the fault of the workers, the employees, the business owners. This was a decision made by government officials. Now, if the government is going to order you out of work, and as a result of their decisions, you're not getting paid anymore, you've lost your, 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 your paychecks, well then, getting money from the government, that's not a bailout, that's not Christmas, that's compensation. That's compensating you for the damage that the government caused to you by their decision-making. Now, is it the correct decision? Is it a wise thing to do? I don't know. We'll see with time. But right now, it seems to me that uh, just based on what we know, that it's overkill. I mean, it seems to me there's other things we could have done than to shut down the entire economy, close everything down. Yes, that might be the best thing to do in terms of stopping the spread or limiting the spread. Of course, if everyone just stays in their house and doesn't come in contact with people, that will limit the spread better than just about anything else you can do. But there are trade-offs. And the trade-off is we're destroying the economy. That's the trade-off. That's the truth. And is that the proper balance? Is that a smart trade-off? I don't know. Given what we, we are being told about the virus in terms of its lethality and the numbers infected, I don't know. I question that. Seems like overkill, but maybe it's not. We'll see. But make no mistake of what this is going to do to the economy. It's not going to just bounce back, as the president says. Certainly, if this goes on for an extended period of time. If this is done in two weeks, then the, then the damage will be limited and hopefully minimal. But if this goes on and on and on, a lot of these businesses just will never open again. They'll be out of business permanently. You know, I hear some senators out there saying, oh, well, we got to pass a bill mandating that insurance companies cover this because you know lots of businesses have insurance for interruption of business you know they have to close down for whatever reason they get insurance for that but apparently you know in most of these policies a, a national health emergency a virus isn't covered and now we've got a we're going to pass a law saying well yeah you got to cover that well imagine if you did that 
Do you think that what the insurance companies are just sitting on an, an, a bottomless pit of money? Look at all the businesses that are closed. They're all closed all around the country. The insurance companies don't have enough money to pay the, all those businesses to keep them in flow, keep them, uh, you know, propped up. There's no way they don't have enough money for that. The insurance companies will go out of business. But anyways, a lot of these companies, a lot of these businesses, the longer this goes on, will not even be able to reopen. And you can't just flip a switch and everything's back to normal anyway. So the longer this goes on, the more damage there will be to the economy. And none of us know how bad that damage will be. And none of these so-called experts in the government or in the media or wherever know how bad the damage is going to be. They have no freaking idea. Think about it. Every month when the, um, or every quarter, when the unemployment numbers come in or the GDP numbers come in, anytime you have economic numbers come in, what do the stories say? What are the news reports? They're always the same. The numbers were always unexpected. They're either higher than they were expected to be or lower than they were expected to be. I don't think I've ever seen a story where economists nailed it. The GDP was exactly what the experts said it was going to be. Experts proven right. Unemployment rate is exactly what they predicted. No, they never get it right. Ever. I mean, you're more likely to get it right just picking a number randomly. You'd be right more often than these freaking experts. So if they can't even get that stuff right, the unemployment rate month to month, you think they're going to get this right? They're going to be able to accurately predict the consequences of shutting down businesses all across the country? No! Of course not. They have no freaking idea. How bad will, will things get? How bad will the economy get? Is it going to be a recession? Of course it's going to be a recession. I can't believe that that's still a question in some places. Yes! We're in recession now, folks. The question is, is this going to be a depression? And how bad a depression will it be? The longer this goes on, the more likely the answer is to be, yes, this is going to not just be a recession. This is going to be a depression. And if this goes on long enough, this is going to be a great depression. Let's hope it doesn't go on too long. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we've set the precedent that we're going to close everything down when in a when in a country of 330 million people there are, you know, 5,000 infected people. You know, that that's probably what the number was when we've decided to shut everything down. 5,000 people in the country. If that's all it takes to shut down the entire country, What's it going to be like in, in two weeks or a month? You think we're going to only have 5,000 infected? No. We're going to have hundreds of thousands probably, if not millions. You think we're going to reopen then? No. We're going to stay shut down. And the government's going to keep doling out checks. With money they don't have. Now think about that. Think about the irony of all this. The entire economy is shut down because of a virus that came from China. And we're going to shut everybody, shut everything down, put everybody in this country out of work, and then pay them all monthly checks, 
Now, we don't have money for that. So that's going to be borrowed money that we borrow largely from China. That's where we're at right now. I hope that at the very least, this serves as some sort of wake-up call, not just to our dysfunctional and corrupt government, but to the American people, which have enabled it and allowed it. I'm telling you, my problem more and more is less with government than it is with the American people. We get the people, when you live in a republic and you have a representative government, you get the government you deserve. Now, yeah, the government is populated by liars and all that's true. We put them there. And then even once it's demonstrated to us that they're liars, we continue to reelect them. Now, you don't always know that someone is a liar and a dirtbag and corrupt before you vote for them. So uh, there's really nothing you can do about that. But once they prove themselves to be a lying dirtbag, you get rid of them. But we don't do that. We continue to vote for them. Doesn't matter. Once someone gets elected to Congress or the Senate, of course, Senate is Congress, but people refer to, I hate how people refer to the House of Representatives of, as Congress and the Senate as the Senate. No, no, no. The Senate is part of Congress. The House of Representatives is part of Congress. I don't like how we call representatives congressmen because you can call senators congressmen. They're all congressmen because they're members of Congress. But we would never, oh, we, you can't call a senator a, a congressman. A senator is better than a congressman. No, no, no. A senator's a congressman. They're just a senator. They're a member of Congress. Congressmen, what we refer to as congressmen, are representatives. I wish we could call them that. Eh, it's just a pet peeve of mine. But whatever. Once they get elected to Congress, the chances of them, of them being reelected for as long as they want are like 98%. That's the rate at which we re-elect incumbents. Most of them are scumbags, liars, and dirtbags, and yet we keep re-electing them. We get the government we deserve. This is what we deserve. Look around you. Look at the dysfunction. This is what we deserve because this is what we have tolerated. You know, a republic is only as good and as smart as its citizens. Take a look around you. Look at how your citizens, your fellow citizens are behaving. Does this appear to you to be a republic populated by smart people? By people uh, possessed of common sense and good judgment and virtue? No. No. Uh, there are a lot of good people in this country. There's a lot of smart people in this country. There are a lot of virtuous, decent people in this country. But on balance, I don't really say that about this country, about most of the people in it. Not from what I see. I think we've reached the tipping point, and we've passed the tipping point. You know, we always talk, politicians always talk about who we are. You know, in times of crisis like this, in times of challenge, oh, we're going to rise to the occasion, that's who we are, the best of America, blah, blah, blah. For much of our history, that was true. 
I don't know that that's true anymore. I don't know that that's been true in quite a while. And that's a result largely of what we have allowed the politicians to do to this country. We're a balkanized country. There's very little that unites us anymore. Open borders. We don't we can't even agree on a common language. You know, diversity is our strength. That bromide that we've all been subjected to for decades. What the hell does that even mean? It means nothing. It's gibberish. The fact of the matter is diversity, no matter how you define it, unless there is commonality among those diverse groups, unless there are things in common that unite those diverse groups, then diversity is not in any way a strength. It's a major weakness. That is what diversity has gotten us. And this is not a comment upon race or anything like that. But we have diverse groups in this country of all different kinds. And more and more, we don't share any commonalities. And when, when you cannot even agree that we're all going to speak one language so that we can communicate with each other, Where's the strength in that diversity? There isn't any. Most people don't know their neighbors. You know, more and more our population are crammed into urban areas. Very few people live in the rural areas anymore and the exodus continues. The cities are growing by leaps and bounds. And what's city life like? You're just a nameless face. You know, you, you'll have your little group of friends or whatever, but you're disconnected from the community. There's no sense of community. You're a cog in the wheel. You're an ant. You're no community. It's everyone for themselves. That's why the first inkling of any problems and everybody buys up all the frickin' toilet paper. To hell with everybody else. Look, there's no product shortage in this country. What, did suddenly we just get tens and tens of millions more people and we just don't have enough toilet paper for everyone? No! It's the same number of people. We have the same demand for ass wiping today as we did two weeks ago. But suddenly now there's a shortage of toilet paper. Why? Because people are assholes and idiots. That's why. They buy up all the toilet paper. To hell with anybody else. I'm going to load my cart with toilet paper and whatever else. I'm going to buy all this pasta on the shelf. I'm going to buy up all the chicken and stick it in my freezer. To hell with my neighbors. It's their fault they didn't get here sooner. So screw them. This seem like a virtuous people. Does this seem like a people with common sense and good judgment? Doesn't to me. Not on, not on balance. And again, there are a lot of people in this country who are good and decent. It's just a question of numbers. And at some point, that, that group of people, the good and decent people, can be uh, outnumbered by the scumbags. 
I don't know. It just uh, seems to me, looking around, we might be outnumbered. But I don't know. I tell you what does concern me, and that is the willingness of people to just give up their liberty. No one even seems to give that a second thought anymore. I see governors, I see members of the federal government, even the president, talking about doing things that they have absolutely no authority to do. Now, here's a little lesson in, in federalism and constitutional law, just as general principles here. In a situation like this, and in many situations, most situations, the states have primary, primary authority. The states in this situation have far more authority than the federal government does. <clears throat> the federal government is one of limited, enumerated powers. That means they can only exercise that authority which is specifically given to the federal government by the Constitution, largely in Article I. That's where the power of Congress is delineated. And since Congress writes the laws, that's where most of the, delegated, the authority delegated to the federal government um, is listed in Article I because it lays out in what areas the Congress can write laws. And then, of course, the president just executes those laws. Now, outside of executing laws passed by Congress, the president doesn't have a hell of a lot of authority. His primary job is to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed. Beyond that, he has a great deal of authority over foreign policy, though not exclusive authority, and authority for, you know, conducting wars. Not, not declaring wars, but prosecuting wars. All other authorities, other than those specifically given to the federal government by the Constitution, those are reserved to the states and to the people. That's the Tenth Amendment. That is federalism. And so the federal government's authority is very limited. Most of the authority lies with the states. <clears throat> Now, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to pretend to know <clears throat> um, the constitutions of all the various states and all their laws. I don't know. So I don't know what laws they have in the books, what their constitutions allow. Um, so I don't know the degree to which some of these things, some of these measures taken by governors are legal or not. But I can tell you, I'm sure. I seriously doubt that many of them are, and I can tell you as a matter of fact that much of what I hear being contemplated by the federal government is not legal either. And nobody even questions that. No question whatsoever. You know, I uh, was reading an article yesterday about contingency plans that the Trump administration is making, military contingency plans for martial law should this situation, you know, turn into a worst-case scenario sort of thing. And, you know, this is obviously a story in the media, so I, I don't know how much of it's true and how much of it is not because it was, comes from sources. And Now, that being said, 
that's part of the problem when you live in an era of fake news. Not everything you read is true, but not everything that you read in the, the mainstream media is, is a lie either. And just as an aside, that's part of the problem with this whole fake news thing. We have so many people on, on the conservative side of things who now are so, are, are so utterly convinced from, from decades of biased coverage in the media, and then, of course, Trump branding them the fake media in the last three years. They are so convinced that everything in the media is a lie. And so it, it has now reached the point that many Republicans, if they hear or read something in the media that they don't like, that they don't want to be true, then they just say it's not true. And then they just discount it because of the source. Oh, well, that's ABC. I don't believe it. They're liars. They just completely made it. That's what they believe now. Everything that they read, if they don't like it, then it's a lie. And, and it was just completely made up. Now, even in the world of fake media, biased media, most things aren't just complete fabrications. There may be embellishments. There may be a lot of editorializing. But it's usually not completely made up of whole, out of whole cloth. Now, sometimes it is, I will grant you. But most of the time, it's not. And this is sort of the, the willful ignorance of a lot of people on our side. They don't believe anything. And, and the truth is, it's gotten so bad, they don't believe anything even from uh, Fox News either if they don't like it. Oh, well, Fox is, you know, Paul Ryan's on the board of Fox, so I don't believe Fox anymore either. You know, their coverage of Trump is only 99% positive. So they're obviously never Trumpers. I don't believe them. They don't believe anything unless it's what they want to hear. Anyway, so didn't mean to get off on that tangent. But I was reading this, uh, this article. It was a lengthy piece about the plans of the Trump administration and the military to, um, to impose martial law in a worst-case scenario. And... Um, there was no question in this article about the constitutionality of the whole thing. And I see discussions in the news about the potential for martial law and not a single question about the constitutionality of it. Let me tell you something. There is no provision for martial law in the Constitution. None. What is martial law? Martial law is civilian control by the government. I mean, by the military. Military assumes control of the civilian population. They take control of, you know, local government, whatever. They, the military just comes in, takes control, and everyone is under military control. There is nothing in the Constitution that allows for that. Nothing. The only thing that comes close to a martial law kind of situation is uh, provisions of the Constitution which allow for the temporary secession of individual liberties, like suspension of habeas corpus in times of war. That's about it. But military control of civilian populations? No, there is no, no provision in the Constitution that allows for that. Yet, here the Trump administration with the military is making preparations for military control. And, um, you know, according to these plans, uh, military commanders could even just assume martial law even without 
direct authority from higher-ups given certain situations. And that, you know, commanders in different areas of the country would have control of certain geographical regions. So we, we would just have military commanders in control all around the country. Just complete takeover by the military. Obviously, that's not something they're talking about doing right now. It's just contingency planning for worst-case scenarios. But it's completely unconstitutional. And, and, of course, that's an extreme example, but there are other ways in which the government is, is behaving and talking, contemplating things that are not constitutional, not allowed by the Constitution, and nobody gives a second thought to it. What this whole thing, and who knows where we are in this? Are we at the beginning of this? Are we in the middle of this? Are we approaching the end of this? I think we're probably just at the beginning of this thing. Because as I said, if we shut down everything for 5,000 people infected, you know, I don't see us opening back up for business in two weeks or even a month. I, I don't know. I'm not predicting. I don't know. But it just seems to me, based on what has happened thus far, that this we're not near the end of this. We're just starting. But what this already should show you is how precariously our society is, is balanced. We are just a step removed from anarchy at all times. I mean, look at the social breakdown. Well, we haven't really had a lot of social breakdown. We've had economic breakdown, self-imposed economic breakdown right now. But we have inklings of social breakdown. You know, fights in the grocery store, literally over toilet paper. I saw this one story. Uh, a brawl broke out literally over toilet pa paper and someone got stabbed with glass over frickin' toilet paper. <laughs> You know, how long are we even into this and we're already stabbing each other over toilet paper? What's it going to be like? What, what happens if the shelves are bare for three months? What's it going to be like then? People are going to be shot and murdered for toilet paper. People will break into other people's house and murder them in their sleep for a roll of Charmin. That's where we're going to be. We're not there yet, but you can see inklings of it. You can see inklings of it in the grocery stores right now. Now, that's social unrest. That's social anarchy. Now, all of this, the economic, self-imposed economic destruction, these glimpses of social unrest, over what? A hundred people dead from a virus? Way more people than that died this year of the flu. We all know this. This is not Ebola. I'm not downplaying... The seriousness of this. Like I said, I'm not going to debate or really second guess um, the seriousness, the lethality of this virus. In a lot of ways, we don't know. I'm hearing changing information about that day after day. First, we, first it was just the elderly and the infirm. Now I'm hearing, well, it's not. It's, uh, it's affecting way more young people than we thought. 
and now it's it, it's affecting and it's more it's more lethal to men than it is to women. I mean, we're learning more information about this all the time. Um, and who knows how much of it is true? I don't know. What's true today is seemingly proven untrue the next day. So I, I don't know. But I'm not downplaying any of that. We're going to find out through the hindsight of history how deadly this was, how bad this was, and whether our reaction to it was justified or not. And so there's people making difficult decisions. And I'm not going to second guess every one of them. That's why I said I'm going to take the more you know, a stand back approach, looking at it from 10,000 feet. And that view gives me a lot of concern. And, and really it's concerns that I have had for many years about the nature of this country. And, and a lot of it's being borne out, you know, a lot of problems we have are hidden when times are good. But you introduce just a little bit of stress into the system like we're seeing now. And that's when a lot of these problems begin to appear. And we have a lot of problems. You know, for far too long, people have looked, politicians have looked at this country like it's just an economy. And that's it. The, econ the country is doing great because the unemployment rate is low. That's pretty much been the Trump line for the last couple of years. Everything is great because the unemployment rate is low and the stock market is high. Like that is the sum total of a country. That's the only thing that matters. The stock market and the unemployment rate. That's not even the sum total of an economy, let alone a country. I mean, those two numbers, the stock market and the unemployment rate, don't even give you the full picture of an economy. And I've, we've discussed this many times. The economy has a lot of serious flaws, even before this all happened. I mean, historically low unemployment, but only a 2% growth rate? That's bad. $23 trillion in debt, adding more than a trillion dollars every year? That's bad. And that was before this. Now we're, we're, we're handing out, a, we're, we're borrowing a trillion dollars with every new spending bill. You know, God only knows how much we're adding to the debt now. But the country is not just an economy. Economy is not just the stock market and the unemployment rate. But sure as hell, the country is not just the economy. And you could see if that were true, then what, what's our country now? How do you how do you uh, describe the state of our country now? We've lost all the gains in the stock market. The unemployment rate is through the roof. Nobody has any idea how high the unemployment rate is right now. We have no clue, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until this thing is over. I mean, we're, we're looking, I mean, who knows? 10, 20 or more percent unemployment? We're going to be approaching Great Depression unemployment levels. And that, that's where this thing is going. The longer this... Longer this goes on, if at the end of the 15 days we continue this uh, s severe social isolation stuff, everything remains closed and we do another two weeks or another month or whatever, we're going to be approaching Great Depression level unemployment. And the economy is not going to just bounce back. Now, there will be a bounce back. 
but it's not going to bounce back to what it was immediately. That's just that just can't happen. You can't just ramp up all these businesses and everybody goes to work immediately in production. No, it doesn't happen like that. And on top of that, as I said, the longer this goes, the more likely it is that some of these businesses, a lot of these businesses won't come back, period. They will be bankrupt. But look at how quickly our economy just has been destroyed. That was pretty easy, wasn't it? You know, a relative handful, a, a, a small percentage of people in this huge country get sick and we shut everything down. Good, good or bad, I don't know. I'm just saying that's what happened. And we are going to suffer severely in an economic sense as a result of that. Now, imagine if this situation was worse. Imagine if this wasn't a coronavirus, if this was not uh, a virus with a 1% fatality rate, what if this was a disease with a 50% fatality rate or more? What then? Can you even imagine what then? I mean, look, most people are not freaking out right now in terms of fear that they will either catch this virus or die from it. That's not really a concern of most people. Maybe they're, they're fearful they might get it. Not too many people, unless you're old or have other underlying health problems, most people are not freaked out that this is something that's going to kill them. Most of the panic in this country right now is an economic panic. Look, think of all the people who lost their jobs in an instant. You know, they're working, you know, they're a waitress, they're a waiter, they're a cook. They're going to work. Their governor closes everything in their, closes all restaurants in their state. And suddenly in an instant, in a press conference, now they are out of work. They live paycheck to paycheck. Now they have no more paychecks. Now they're freaking out. That's, that's the panic right now. It's an economic panic. People aren't necessarily panicked. Not a lot of people are panicked that they're actually going to die from this. What if this was a virus, a disease, a contagion that was much worse in terms of lethality? What if it was 50, 60% mortality rate? Then you'd have people freaking out for their, their lives. They'd be scared to death. They'd be scared that they were going to catch this and die or their children could die. That, my friends is panic. That would be so many degrees of magnitude worse than this health crisis. And this is like nothing we've ever experienced before, right? That's what we're being told. What if it, this was a disease with a high mortality rate? I shudder to even think. People getting stabbed over toilet paper now with this coronavirus? Imagine a much worse disease then you would have we already would have had severe societal collapse societal maybe not collapse isn't the right word but breakdown to one degree or another you know some some fights and some isolated fights here and there in grocery stores would be nothing there would be riots in nearly every grocery store around this country 
the shelves would be completely bare of everything. That's what we would be looking at. There would already have been countless murders. That's what we would be looking at right now if this was a virus with, with a much higher mortality rate. Because then you'd have real panic. People would want to completely hoard every single thing that they can get. They would, they would get, they would just snatch up all the food they could get, all the toilet paper, all the soap, everything. Everything you could possibly imagine. Water, everything. They would hoard as much of it as they could. And they would fight and some people would murder over it. That's what we'd have. Just, this should serve as a wake-up call to how fragile our society is. How fragile the civil society is. Now, when you consider all that in the light of what our country now is, how we live. We live in a way where most people, depends on where you are in the town, size that you live in and all kinds of those kinds of things. But we are an increasingly urbanized country. And there's very little community in, in urban areas. And in a lot of suburban areas, same thing. You know, there's so many, so many places around this country. I have family members who live in fast-growing area of the country. Suburban areas, fast-growing, you know. Every time you go to visit, there's a huge new housing development there's new every it looks different every time you go even if you just go a couple months later to go visit it looks completely different there's new you know apartment complexes there's a million new houses and subdivisions you know there's no trees anymore this used to be open farmland now there's you know new developments everywhere every house is on a postage stamp you know you can mow your lawn with a with a pair of scissors Most of the people in these areas don't even know their neighbors. It's 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 not a community. It's um, I don't know. It just it's like worker bees in a hive. Very little sense of community in a lot of places anymore. And so there's nothing to bind us. It's every man for themselves. Every man and woman for themselves. At least a little bit of stress on the system. And it's anarchy. That's where we're at. And this is this is giving us a glimpse into that. And again, imagine if it was worse. Imagine if it was something else. There are so many things that could befall this country. This was a virus. A naturally occurring mutation of some virus that affect, infected people and then spread. What if it was a... An engineered bioweapon that was many times worse than this. Look at how our economy, and in many ways our country, has been crippled over this. What if this was a much more lethal virus, an engineered bioweapon, that an enemy... I mean, and here's the thing too. If you are an enemy of the United States and you are contemplating... Oh, you know, we got this bioweapon. Sure would like to use it against those Americans, but we just don't know how it would uh, how it would work. What what the effect on American society would be if we, you know, attacked with this bioweapon that we have here ready to go. Well, now they know. 
Now they can see. They could see what we'd do. We'd crash our economy. We'd order everyone to stay in the house. Everyone would be out of work. The federal government would start bankrupting itself, you know, sending checks to everyone. That's what would happen. And now they know that's what would happen. And and this over something that's, you know, comparatively as compared to what it could be, not that bad. What if they took their bioweapon and released it strategically in major population centers across the country? Can you imagine what would happen to this society? What if it was a virus where, it, you know, they, they released it and it had a 70% mortality rate or worse? People get it. It's a death sentence. And they released this in major population centers all, all across the country. Our country would be destroyed. Destroyed. And imagine that as a as a first wave in an attack. You know, they follow that up with a military invasion. Just, I mean, the scenarios that go through your mind. This all should just serve as a wake-up call. Not just to us, but to the people we elect. Look at this. We don't build anything in this country anymore. And this has exposed that. Most be- I didn't know the degree to which we were reliant on, on China for, it appears to be, pretty much all of our medicines. How absurd is that? First of all, we shouldn't be reliant like that on any other country, whether they're friend or foe. But to be that heavily reliant on our geopolitical enemy, that is madness. Absolute madness. And that's the position our elected leaders have put ourselves in. All right. Where do I want to go with this? Yeah, um... Nah, yeah. I was, I'm debating in my head whether I, because I, I got a lot more to talk about. I did want to get into the politics a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I will because today's Friday and I'm probably not going to do this again till next week. And who the hell knows what there will be for me to talk about then. And I just might never get to this stuff. So I'm going to go a little bit longer. And I, I like to keep this at about an hour because I know people, you know, some people don't want to listen much more than that. But uh, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to get to a couple of these things here. Let's get just a little bit to the politics. Now, I told you. I've been telling you for I don't know how long. Because we have all these people saying that Trump is going to win in a landslide because the economy is good. And I've been warning people for months that that's foolish to make that assumption. And I've said, and you know that I've said, if you listen to this show, I've said I don't know how many times. First of all, this is March. The election isn't until November. That's an eternity in politics. And I've been telling you that no matter how good you think things are going right now, no matter how good a chance you think Trump has right now to win the election, anything could happen between now and November. And that more than likely, the election will turn on issues, on events that haven't even happened yet. I've been telling you this for months. Well, here's such an example. More than likely, this is going to be the issue 
that decides the election or has a significant part to play in the election. Something that a month ago, nobody would have predicted when they were all screaming <clears throat> Trump landslide. Now, Trump may win in a landslide. This could help him. I don't know. It might hurt him. It might help him. He might win in a landslide. He might lose in a landslide. I have no freaking idea because what I said before still applies now. The election is until November. Anything could happen between now and then. And we don't know how the hell this is going to play out. <clears throat> I saw today that there's a new poll. I think it was an ABC poll. That shows that 55% of the American people approve of the job that Trump is doing handling the coronavirus. And so people on our side are very excited. He's going to win in a landslide. Everybody approves of this. Maybe he will. Maybe he will have sky-high numbers even better than this by the time we get to November. But it could just as easily go in the opposite direction. Yes, I would expect people to be approving of the job that Trump is doing right now. Trump is promising them all thousands of dollars in, in, in free money. Of course they're going to approve of that. Especially since so many of them still have their jobs. Like we said, this is free money. To others, it's compensation. They've lost their jobs now. They're being promised this money. It's a lifesaver. So yeah, people are happy across the board with that kind of response. Who gets mad when, when uh, they're getting what they, they think is free money? So yeah, I'm not surprised that his approval rating is 55%. That's kind of what happens when you, you give out money. And I'm not knocking the giving out of money. Okay, that's not... As I said... In many ways, to a lot of people that have lost their jobs, this is not a handout. This is compensation. You're going to put people out of work if you, as a government, are going to order that people's jobs be destroyed and those people no longer have a way uh, to support themselves, then you kind of have a responsibility to support them until things go back to normal. You took their job away from them. You need to compensate them for that. So that's what this is to a lot of people. But then again, to a lot of people, who are not out of jobs, who have their paychecks continuing to come in. To them, this is just free money, man. This is Christmas. So, yeah, both groups of people are going to be happy with that. So, yeah, you got 55% approval. Who the hell knows what it's going to be in November? People are fickle. Moods and attitudes change. Who knows? Let's fast forward a month or two months. What, what if we're still on nationwide lockdown in two months? What are people going to think then? At some point, people get angry, people get frustrated. And when people are angry and frustrated, whether right or wrong, they look to blame someone. Whether the people deserve the blame or not, they got to blame somebody. It's got to be somebody's fault. And at some point, that might come into it too. And that is where, as I told you, the last episode or one before that where Trump really screwed himself because for weeks and weeks he downplayed this thing. It was no big deal. Ah, eh, this is just going to wash away. Ah, eh, this is going to come and go. Ah, eh, it's just 15 cases. It's going to go down to zero. This is not a big deal. You know, this is a hoax. And again, I know he wasn't saying the virus was a hoax. But these are the this was the language he used when talking about this for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. What if we get, you know, we're going to get closer to, to the election 
And who knows, by the time the election comes around, look, if this thing all wraps up, this goes away, you know, uh, we find some treatment that really um, treats the symptoms uh, or, you know, God willing, we, we, we find something that actually cures this thing and, and not in 18 months, but in a shorter period of time or we contain it or whatever. But if this all goes away in a short period of time, as we all hope and pray that it does, by November, this isn't even going to be that big of a deal in terms of how Trump responded to this right now. What, what's happening right now isn't going to be that big of a deal. Now, what will be a big deal are the long-term effect, the long-term effects on the economy. If this wraps up in a month, but by November we're still in a massive recession because of it, who knows? Who know? We cannot anticipate what the politics of this are, are going to be in November and who this will help, whether it will help Trump or hurt Trump. It can do either. I have no freaking idea. No idea. Because I don't know what's going to happen between now and then, and I don't know how people are going to react to what happens between now and then. But it is foolish to assume anything. And, and anyways, to back to my point, how this could hurt Trump, all those things he said in downplaying this, those are going to be in campaign ads, my friends. And uh, you just, who knows where we're going to be in November? This could be all over, or we're still going to be in the middle of this, or, um, you know, we're, we're going to be out of this as a health crisis, but we're going to be in, in, a, in an economy that is struggling and a lot of people out of work. Who knows what we're going to be in? But imagine things aren't good and people want someone to blame. And here the Democrats are with Mike Bloomberg's money, even though he's not the nominee, he's promised. And if he's good to his word, he's going to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on trying to defeat Trump. So we're going to, the Democrats are going to be awash in money. Whether Joe Biden's campaign has a lot of money or not, they're going to have a lot of money. And they're going to be reminding the American people, remember all this, you know, look at all that we've been through in the last six, eight months. You lost your job. People died. All of this stuff happened. And here's Trump saying it was no big deal, saying it was a hoax. Ah, this is just going to wash away. Ah, it's just 15 people. It's going to go down to zero. It's going to be nothing. I don't know what effect that's going to have, but it's not good. That's why as soon as, whenever, when he was saying those things, I was just cringing. I was thinking, you don't, you don't do this. Not with a health crisis. You should just deal in facts. Don't characterize it. Don't try to politicize it. And that's what... That's what you're doing when you talk in terms like that. You're, you're talking that way for political reasons. And look, how Trump behaved then and how Trump is behaving now is very easy to understand. There's a lot of talk of, oh, Trump's new tone. That's it. Yes, there may be a new tone, but it's all for a reason. It's all about re-election. And here's, here's what I'm talking about. Trump long ago decided that the economy was going to be what he ran on for re-election. Not illegal immigration because he's long since give, given up on really doing anything on that. He was just going to pretend that he was doing all he can. And really, as we've talked about many times, his base has been convinced of that. It's not his fault. He's doing everything he can. There's nothing more than he, that he can do, so we're not going to hold that against him. So that's an issue he doesn't have to worry about. He's not getting blamed from his base, so he doesn't have to bother trying anymore. And that's what he's decided. He wasn't going to try. He was going to do shit on illegal immigration anymore. 
right? He doesn't need to. He's just going to ride this economy. Economy, economy, economy. What other issue has he been pushing in the last six months? Nothing. Nothing. After the, US, uh, the USMCA, that globalist sellout, after that, uh, what, what, did, uh, what, have, what has he been focused on? Nothing. Nothing. You know, it was impeachment. Now that's over. So now it's just... You know, the Twitter feed and creating enemies and, 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 and owning the libs and, and touting the economy. The economy, his, his, his strategy for re-election was twofold. One, tout the economy. Two, destroy the opponent. He, he thought he was going to run against Bernie, so it was going to be the economy and Bernie's a socialist. Now it's the economy and Joe Biden has dementia or some, you know, some version of that. Uh, Joe Biden is corrupt and he's not all there. Sleepy Joe and Hunter Biden. That that was that was the campaign. Well, now he can't run on that anymore. But that that's what informed his early dismissals of this whole coronavirus thing, because he didn't want it to hurt the economy. Okay, there was some uncertainty. There was a little bit of spooking in the markets over that. He wanted the stock market to remain high, so he was going to downplay. Oh, it's nothing. We got it completely under control. No reason for the stock market uh, to go wishy-washy. Everything is good. Every, the economy is humming along. We've never had numbers like this before. This is the greatest economy ever, and this virus is nothing. It was all aimed at keeping the economy humming along and, and keeping the market settled and not spooked and panicked. That's what it was about. Now, when this thing really hit and his people convinced him that this is going to be bad... Uh, and the economy is going to crash and suffer as a result of this. That's when he had a change course and drop the, oh, it's no big deal and go into full-fledged coronavirus warrior mode. Because it is now obvious that he cannot run on the economy anymore. He can run on it to the extent of saying it was the best economy ever. Now, because of this coronavirus, which I had nothing to do with, now it's a problem. But that's not my fault. When, without this coronavirus, we'd have the greatest economy ever. But no one's really going to care about that when they're all out of work and we're in a massive recession. No one's going to care about that. So the point is he can't run on the economy anymore. Almost certainly the economy is going to be in the shitter for most of the rest of the year and, and perhaps beyond that. So he cannot run on a great economy. And that was all he had. That's all he had. Because you have to run on big things in a presidential election. Nobody cares about the, the embassy being moved. Nobody cares as a, as a huge campaign issue about what tweaks and reforms you did to the VA or, 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 or whatever. Now, a lot of those things might be important and good, but they're not big campaign issues that are going to drive your reelection. You have to have something big. You have to have big themes. The economy and the other guys are socialists. Those were his themes. Well, he doesn't have the economy anymore. And he can't just run on the other guys a socialist. Because if it's, it's Biden, that's not really going to stick. So now all you've got is Biden is corrupt and sleepy. Uh, that's, that's kind of a weak re-election platform. So you've got to have something you're actually running on. Well, now it's not the economy. It can't be the economy anymore. He knows that. He's not a dumb guy. He knows that that's gone. So it has to be replaced with, well... He can't choose really what it's replaced with now. Right now, until and unless this thing is over, this coronavirus thing, that's it. Whether he likes it or not, 
how he is perceived in handling this crisis is the issue, at least right now, is the issue. Unless some other issue comes along and bumps this one out, this is the issue. He didn't want it to be, but he knows now that it is. And because it is, he now has switched his message, switched how he wants to be perceived. He wants to be perceived as doing every single thing that he can on this issue. And of course, I'm sure that he wants to also. But politically, that's the change in tone. That's the change in tone. It's political. You know, he and his people decided, look, you know, I can't be insulting people as much anymore. I got to be seen as a uniter. And then Trump's thing, his whole his whole life and certainly his whole political career, he wins by having an opponent. He has to be battling somebody. There has never been a time in his political life the last three, four years where he's not pitted himself against people. That's how he keeps his supporters ginned up. That's how he keeps the energy. There's always, it's us versus them. It was, it was me against the deep state. It's me against Robert Mueller. It's me against impeachment. It's me against the fake news media. Now it's me against this virus. And that's why he's invoking this war language. I'm a president of war. Of course, he's not a this isn't a war. I mean, we're we're in wars to one degree or another, at least armed conflicts around the country. But other than that, no, this is not a war. He's not a wartime president in that regard. This is not a war. There's not we're not doing anything akin to a war. And really, there's very little that he can do. And that's part of the problem, too. A lot of this is out of his hands. Okay, Trump can't stop a virus. And Trump has very little authority to do anything. He doesn't even have the power that governors have to do this stuff. He has no authority to impose martial law. He has no authority to issue a nationwide lockdown. He's got no authority for that. Even when he's talking about, you know, these guidelines, they're talking about guidelines. That's all they can be. You know, follow Trump, the president's guidelines on 15 days of uh, social isolation. Well, the reason why they're saying guidelines is because he has no power to do to actually do anything. So at most, it's just presidential recommendations. He can't order businesses closed. He can't order, you know, lockdown. He can't. He doesn't have the authority to do that. Governors have far more authority to do those things than the president does. So there's not a whole lot that he can do besides keeping the public informed, um, coordinating with with uh, governors, trying to help um you know, get supplies and things like that. Uh, there's things that he can do, certainly. But a lot of this is out of his control. So it's really how he is perceived. And here's the thing, too. Right now, they're, do they're pretty much shooting all the arrows in their quiver. I mean, what, do what does the government do? Wh whatever the problem is, they throw money at it. That's it. After that, they're out of ammo. They got nothing else. Throwing money at a problem is their first instinct. It's their only trick. It's all they got. So yeah, um, both parties are lining up behind throwing money at this problem. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily uh, in in all cases bad. But you know, certainly throwing money at people who don't need the money that's not good. But whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna get bogged down in the weeds there. But beyond that, what else can he do? not a hell of a lot and at some point if there if he does do a lot more then, then we're gonna have constitutional problems potentially
because the Constitution does not empower him to do a whole hell of a lot in this situation. But here's a concern of mine, too. Oh, and I, I forgot about this. Um, talking about bailouts of industries, here's something that should concern you. You know, Trump has been running around for a long time accusing Democrats of socialism. He is now out there advocating socialism. I don't know if you caught this, but in terms of these industry bailouts, Trump is out there saying that if we're going to bail out these industries, then, then companies that take bailout money should have to give an equity interest to the government. Did you hear this? Is this true? I heard, saw reports of this, but I didn't see this come out directly out of Trump's mouth, I'll be honest. So there is a potential that this actually was not true. Uh, but I've seen this reported in many, many places. I kind of think it is. The government taking an equity interest in this government, in these companies. That, that's socialism, friends. That is socialism. The definition of socialism is the government owning the means of production. So we're talking about giving these companies money and in return they're going to give us ownership of the means of production or at least partial ownership of the means of production that's socialism so now we're advocating socialism and people are cheering this kind of thing and potentially other things because i've heard other ideas floated around that are unconstitutional or just even if they're not unconstitutional other ideas that are just horrible ideas but this is what I've warned about when I've talked about the cult following that Trump has. Because if Trump were to do things that violate the Constitution, for whatever reason, a health crisis or whatever, or does things that are flat-out socialism, or worse, Trump feels that he can do it with impunity because he's not going to lose any voters over it. Because his base the cultists in his base will not abandon him for any reason. That is one of the problems of this groupthink, this us versus them, this team sport mentality, this cult mentality. Nobody thinks. All they do is cheerlead. Whatever their guy does is good. This, this, in a situation like this, this is when it really worries me. Now, up until now, it's been a huge problem because it's been a huge political problem. It is the reason that we can't get Trump to do anything on illegal immigration because nobody in his base, aside from a handful of us, you know, none of his supporters uh, blame him for it. None of them care. Whatever he does and doesn't do is fine with them. And so politically, this cult base is a major problem because it, it, is, it, it impedes our ability. It denies us completely, really, the ability to persuade Trump, to pressure him to do anything. But now this is a whole new possibility because we're in a crisis right now, right? It's a crisis. It's a national crisis. We've never had anything like this before. We have to take extraordinary measures. Well, what kind of extraordinary measures? That's what worries me. Because when you give cult-like allegiance to a politician, to a president, to any poli any politician, but here we're talking about a president. You give cult-like allegiance to a president, and you tell him, in no uncertain terms, in every way possible, that you will cheerlead him no matter what he does, then there is no limit on him. There's no limit on him, because he can get away with doing anything. It can mean engaging in full-on socialism, 
taking over private businesses or at least portions of private businesses and you know making plans for martial law not that I'm saying he's going to implement any of those plans but if the reports are true they're making plans for martial law this is what concerns me about the cult thing before it was just political you know we're not we're not there yet but these are things that really concern me um and here's just a thought uh, that I've had repeatedly. I hear a lot of people, and I, I read a lot of people, saying that this whole thing is just media hype. This is, first of all, some people call this virus a hoax and fake. I, I think those people, you know, I'm not going there. I think it's a real virus. I mean, I don't think that's fake. But the hype is a different question, and I think that's certainly debatable. And I hear a lot of people, read a lot of people saying that this is all just media hype. None of this should have happened. Certainly, most of this shouldn't happen. And this is all just the result of the media. And that annoys me when I hear it from Republicans. Because anyone who would say that, you know, and they're a Trump supporter and they say that, they're obviously just a mindless cultist. Because once again, you're mad about what's happening, but the blame is all on the media. Well, Trump is going along with it. Do you see Trump saying, no, this isn't, is he trying to downplay the hype? Is he out there? He's out there every single day in these press conferences. Has he ever said, hey, media, knock it off. This is no big deal. Okay, we don't need to be closing down businesses. We don't need to be closing restaurants. This is not a big deal. People shouldn't be panicked. Do you hear him saying any of that? No, he's going along with all of it. He agrees with all of it. So how do you say this is all just media hype, but then say Trump is doing a great job? Now, I'm not saying Trump's not doing a good job. This is not about that. This is about the people saying this. It's, it's just more evidence of what pisses me off so much about the current state of the Republican Party. Because it's not serious. It's defend Trump at all costs, bash everybody else. If there's ever a problem, it's not Trump's fault, it's everybody else's fault. So this, they believe, is all hype. We don't need to be doing any of this stuff. This is all just media-created hype. If it's media-created hype, Trump is in on it. So why don't you care that he's not pushing back against it? Oh, well, the media will criticize him. Really? It's just never-ending excuses. If you think... That we are crashing our economy, putting millions of people out of work just because the media is hyping this. You're not going to blame Trump for going along with this. You're going to give him a pass. We're tanking our economy. We're destroying our economy. We're destroying people's lives. They're losing their jobs. And you're giving Trump a pass because, well, if he if he speaks the truth then the media will just criticize him. Unbelievable. And again, this is a comment on these people saying this thing, because these things, because it's so ridiculous. If you believe that, then you should be angry at Trump for playing into this. Because Trump doesn't need to be going along with all this. If this was all just media hysterics and none of it is warranted, Trump should be leading the charge and, and pushing back against this. Not leading us into economic depression. Not going along with it. Oh, but Mark, he's not the one that's closing these businesses. Those are the governors. True. And why is that? Because the president has no authority to do that. But he's not opposing it either. Why isn't, if this is all 
hype. If no businesses should be closed, if this is all an overreaction, where is the president on that? Why is he going along with it? He should be getting up there every single day and calling out these governors. The people in your state, your, uh, you know, whatever state it is that they're doing this, talk to the people in that state. Your governor is putting you out of business for no reason because he's giving in to the fake news media hype. He is destroying your jobs because of the fake news media hype. And I stand opposed to it. Tell your governor to lift these orders. Let the people go back to work. Is he saying any of that? No, he's going right along with it. Now, I'm not saying whether he should be or not. When I'm, I'm just exposing the cult mindset, which is always been a problem. It continues to be a problem, but just now in a different way. But it continues. It continues. And the mindlessness of all this stuff. Let me tell you something. The longer this goes, the more Trump is going to have to start deflecting. Because, as I said, people will want someone to blame. And presidents get the blame. Presidents get blame even when they don't deserve the blame. They get blame. And they get the praise for like a good economy, even when they don't have anything really to do with it. Or what they have to do with it is very limited. They get the praise, whether it's due or not, and they get the blame, whether it's due or not. That's just the way it goes. The longer this thing goes, you know, people are cooped up. They can't buy groceries. The longer this kind of stuff goes, people are going to get stir crazy. People are going to get angry. People are going to want to go back to, back to work and back to their normal life. They want their kids to go back to school. Right now, we're just barely into this. So it's an inconvenience and all of that. But after a month or two months of this, no, people are going to start getting angry. They're going to get restless. They're going to get angry. And they're going to want someone to blame. And there's only so much that Trump can do. And so what he's going to want to do is um, he's going to have to start changing the subject. He's going to have to you know, start ramping it up on his Twitter feed. He's going to have to start with the political uh, enemy game. And you're seeing some of that now, too. I'll give you a perfect example. Again, it's always been the shiny object presidency. It continues to be the shiny object presidency because it's a tactic and it works so well. Whenever he doesn't want you focusing on something, he just missed. He just directs you to something else. And it's so easy to do. And both sides fall for it. The media falls for it. The liberals fall for it. The conservatives fall for it. Look, there is so much going on right now that should, should, should deeply concern everyone who is concerned with individual liberty. Everyone should be concerned about this. But I see very few people out there, even on the right, who are concerned about it. Because why? They're chasing the shiny objects. They're still involved in the politics. You know, they're all excited today because there's a poll showing that 55% of the people approve of the way Trump is handling this. So, yay, Trump, go Trump, he's the greatest president ever. Uh, and if it's not that, then it's, you know, we still got to be owning the libs on social media. We still got to be owning the libs. And who's the, uh, the, the, the grand master of owning the libs? Trump. And how's he been doing it in the last couple of days? calling it the China virus or the Chinese virus. This is not because he wants he wants to be accurate about where it came from. Everybody knows where it came from. That was not it's nothing to do with it. The reason he's doing it is to goose the left because he knows if he calls it the China virus, 
then the left will all attack him and call him racist, and then the right will all jump in in his defense, and then the right and left will be having a big argument about whether it's the China virus, whether it should be called the China virus, whether it's racist to call it the China virus. We'll be arguing about all of these things. Meanwhile, we're not really focused on anything that's actually going on in this country. We're not talking about the fact that uh, we're letting prisoners out of the prisons all over the country. We're not focused on that. We're not focused on the fact that Trump has still refused to put the military on the border. Uh, Think about that. This is such a crisis. This is the biggest health crisis in 100 years, right? Yet our 2,000-mile border with Mexico is still wide open. Oh, but Mark, but Mark, he closed the border. No, 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 no. He didn't close the border. He closed ports of entry. That's a big difference. And they're not completely closed. But those those are just the ports of entry. Those are just where people are legally allowed to cross. The border's wide open. The border's not closed. Unless you put the military on the border and prevent people from walking over, the border's not closed. The border's wide open. The border's always been wide open. And now on top of that, we're going to start the asylum process up again in a week or two. We're going to start allowing that. Um, ICE is no longer uh, conducting operations, so we're not going after illegal aliens in the interior of the country. We're not deporting anybody. That's all on hold. But no, we're not talking about any of that, right? No, we're chasing the shiny object. We're all we're owning the libs because they freak out when we call it the China virus. So we're going to get on social media and we're all going to call it the China virus. Yeah, no, th- that's it's still so freaking ridiculous. It's still so juvenile. It's still so stupid and unserious. Even in the midst of this. Even in the midst of a health crisis where businesses are shut down. Everyone's stuck in their house. You know, we got California on lockdown. We're talking about martial law. All of this crap. Nope. We're still, as a conservative movement, we're still more interested in owning the libs on Twitter. That's it. And you got... And everybody, it's not just, you know, regular people on Twitter having fun. It's, it's right-wing media people. It's our talk radio guys. It's, uh, you know, even politicians. I see senators and congressmen owning the libs on Twitter saying, yeah, it's the China virus. I didn't see you get mad when we called it the Spanish flu. <laughs> well, real great points there. No, we, we argue over nonsense and Trump is laughing his ass off. Could you imagine if you had that kind of power? All you have to do is say one word or two words or one word in conjunction with another. Just all you got to do is say China virus. That's all you have to do. And you completely change the entire political discussion in the entire freaking country. You get the left wing media to melt down and you get your entire base to, uh, you know, jump in and pile on and the two sides go back and forth. All because you said China virus. That's all you had to freaking do. Or just throw out a tweet. That's all you have to do. And suddenly, nobody's paying attention to the fact that our border's wide open in the midst of a public health crisis. Nobody's, nobody gives a damn that ICE isn't, isn't deporting anyone anymore. Nobody cares. Oh, and by the way, how many illegal aliens are going to be the beneficiaries of this uh, massive, uh, you know, the, the money that the government's handing out? Huh? You don't think illegal aliens are going to get this money? Oh, yes, they are. You watch. And it's based on tax returns, apparently. Any uh, illegal alien, first of all, any illegal alien, you know, if they file the tax return, they're getting this money. 
But you know there's going to be moves to go beyond people who just people who filed tax returns. Because not everybody filed a tax return. And what are they going to do, starve? No, we can't do that. we got to give all these illegal aliens money. But anyways, we don't even have to have a serious conversation about that. No, 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 no. We don't have to even have a serious conversation about how much money we should spend, who should get this money, how the money should be distributed, what companies should get bailouts, how much they should get bailed out. We're not going to talk about illegal immigration, continuing to have our borders open in the midst of a, a, a health crisis. No, we're not going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk about owning the libs on Twitter by calling it a China virus. And, and, and today it's China virus. Tomorrow it'll be a something else. And it'll go on and on like this. And Trump can just dangle the shiny objects in front of any, everybody. You know, if there's something that he wants to do that people might not like, all he's got to do is send out a tweet and then do it. Because no one will notice what he did. They'll be arguing over the stupid ass tweet. But even now, people aren't serious. And look, people aren't going to get serious. And that's the problem. All right, that's going to do it for me. Went way longer than I wanted to. Uh, thank you for indulging me. I know it's kind of all over the map there today. It's just kind of a stream of consciousness thing. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening. Look, I hope you have an enjoyable weekend. Um, I don't know what you'd be doing. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Probably watch a lot of TV. Hopefully the weather will be nice because I would like to get outside. Uh, it's been crappy for the last few days here. But anyways, uh, thanks for bearing with me. I hope the sound wasn't too bad. And bear with me through this as uh, I continue to broadcast from the basement. And until next time, keep yourself safe, keep yourself healthy, and remember, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it. Because it does. Thank you.